Have you made an honest review? Jump onto fifthwrist.com and read real takes by real owners about their watches. And of course, get involved and write about what's on your wrist. Fifthwrist.com is your independent space to talk watches. Here's the red eye. This is Rob uh, and the regulator on Fifth Wrist Radio. Um, this is Rob. We've got Alex, the regular watch regulator, lurking here, and we also have a special hello. guest. Oh, 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 he popped up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Say hello. Good. And we've also got Michael Woods from. Um, is it Michael Woods Watchmaking? Right? No, it's just it's just Wood. Woods Watchmaking. Oh, Woods, just Woods Watchmaking. Woods Watchmaking, yeah. Exactly. Is, there a, is there another Michael Woods Watchmaking? Did they get the, the kind of name before you and you had to just shorten it to Woods I Watchmaking? Just, I just didn't want to do my full name. It just sounded too much. I just thought Woods Watchmaking. And then, then maybe one of the kids can take it over one day. Great. Yes, that's not yeah. a bad strategy. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we've heard of you. You've The listeners might have heard Michael the other day on, on the other, uh, what do you call it, the other segment, the other channel. Um, of Fifth Wrist, um, <laughs> Defining Time. It was a very, very interesting conversation. Um, we've managed to drag him back again because we just got desperate for people to bring on here. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, oh. I'm, feeling, I'm feeling confident about this one now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no. <laughs> um, and here he is again because it was so entertaining last time. And we wanted to have a chat. I wanted to have a chat with him. I didn't get to last time. Alex jumped ship and went on to the other channel last time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm going to have my two pence worth. Yeah. Um, so welcome back. Thanks. Thanks. Good to be back. What do you call that? A glutton for punishment? Is that I just, what it is? No, I love it. I love it. As you know, I, I just listened to your uh, your podcast with Charles. That was good. That was a good one. Yeah. Very yeah. good. Yeah, are you on a boat, Michael? Are you, are you on a boat or <laughs> no, something? No, I'm sitting <laughs> in my living room in a dressing gown. I didn't think we're, I didn't think we're taking guests in, in like on land anymore. Basically. Yeah, I said it was after that. It was hovercrafts or hot air balloons, right? Air balloons, That's the yeah. minimum level. An aeroplane, like your Mile High Club type thing. Or yeah. Something. yeah, 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 yeah. No, he was. I, I just like the fact that he tried to. Uh, he tried to recommend Jedly to follow on Instagram. I, really, I, I jumped in. I jumped I was, in. I was like, no, no, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. yeah. And you were sitting there. You were sitting there going, "I've heard that name somewhere." Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Fucking, what are you talking about? It was just the other day. <laughs> then when he said then when he said Jedley, it 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 clicked with you. But nobody ever says Jedley. They're always like, there's somebody called, and then they say the whole name of someone else, and they're like, who is also known as Jedley. It's never just a simple Jedley, okay? So it, it confuses me when I've had like umpteen drinks in a day. So like so like ten minutes ago, I actually messaged Charles and said, basically, suck it. <laughs> I'm sure he'll love that. He hasn't replied. He doesn't. He hadn't actually heard. He, he followed he, he me. He followed me, but he hasn't oh, replied okay. to that message. So maybe he's already unfollowed me. <laughs> he just sent me a message just an hour ago because he wasn't. He hadn't heard the podcast yet, so he couldn't. Maybe it was on Apple iTunes or whatever. They couldn't. Uh, he hadn't okay. seen it yet. And I said, oh, it'll, it'll turn up. Don't worry. I said it's a ripper. Um, yeah, good guy. Yeah, good guy. It's, it's weird when when I recorded we recorded my podcast the other day, Alex. I uh, I tried to send it to my uh, watchmaking wasp teacher, and um, and he couldn't he couldn't listen to it because he had some he had some um, uh, was it different called? software or something. No parental parental, oh, parental block. Parental Filter. block exactly. Yeah. And it's because there was some swear words in it, he couldn't get into it. 
So, <laughs> but uh, where where is he in the world? He's, he's in, in Switzerland. Switzerland. He's in, in Nishatel, right? Paul. Nishatel. That's Nish- good because we are we are the number one. This is no joke. We are the number one watch podcast in in Switzerland. How is that possible? I don't know how. But I thought it was just all Swatch well, HR, maybe HP in, in people who are listening to the podcast <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> but we get one other person who doesn't Man. work for Swatch Group HR. So that's you could, good. You could be right there. Maybe there's some <laughs> French ones in like French French platforms, um, or like maybe possibly, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, I think maybe. I think I think you guys just don't realize how entertaining you are. I mean, I, I, mean, I think I know. Every, every every walk I go on, I'm like, I've heard they got another episode up because I need to listen to them. Just, just <laughs> that's good. Shit. That's why we brought you on. So you're kind of exactly. providing your own content. You can consume your own material. It's good. We're just gonna sit back here now. You go off. You go. No. Okay. And I was I'm walking I'm walking along listening to you you two Muppets just ramble on and I'm just smiling smile, smiling away and people are probably looking at me like, What's he smiling at? That's, a, that's, that's what I'm like at work when I'm at the bench and I'm and I laugh out loud and people people <laughs> people turn around and like what, what are you laughing at? And I'm like, God, yeah. I just said something so hilarious on my hit podcast, which is number one in Switzerland and Kenya. So, oh yeah, big big shout out to all the people in Kenya, all our fan yeah, base there. Thanks, guys. Yeah, um, <laughs> you just you you're just like I'm so funny, I can't help it. What? Um, mm. We've gone five minutes. We haven't mentioned drinks yet. That's good. Okay, um, yeah. but we can probably get into it. Um, you go. Oh, you got a pint of red, probably Alex, right, and a pint of gin. Okay, I'm bringing it right along. <laughs> Sorry, no, give me a chance. Okay. <laughs> So I'm out of paint glasses. Oh. So I've had to move to a glass. Which the last time I had this glass was when I did a podcast um, with Wine Dined Timed. Uh-huh. So I actually bumped into GB Hi-Fi today when I had to go and buy new headphones because the cats ate the last ones. So I last had this glass and it's actually a carafe, but I use it as like a supersized pint glass. So I've got about... <laughs> A half, about a third of a carafe of red wine, but I also then went and bought a bottle of rum that JB, not JB, JP Melbs was drinking on his podcast. On his I bought a bottle of that as well. Did you? Yes. Ron, Ron, Zacapa, yeah. yeah. So I poured, I poured a glass of this earlier. So I was drinking red earlier and then I poured a glass because JP said just to sip it. So I poured a glass. And then I'm drinking away in the red, and then I go to down the rest of the red from the craft, but I somehow picked up the glass of rum and downed <laughs> a good three fingers of this rum. I felt like um, that was like that scene in Pulp Fiction where she accidentally does the, the heroin instead of the cocaine. Yeah. I was like, my face was like burning, but I just had to, I just had to drink it. So yeah, I've got some, uh, yeah, some sipping rum. Ron's a Kappa 23 and yeah, about uh, maybe a, a half pint of red wine. Is the rum good? Because having, having said I bought it, I actually gave it, a, I was a free gift. I haven't actually bought myself a bottle yet. I need to probably. It's it good. Like it's, it's good. I, I don't know if you can really drink it. Well, I've, I'm, I'm drinking it straight, mm. but you it's... You drink anything straight. No, I'm pretty soft for a Scottish guy, but you can you can sip it, but <laughs> I, you still guy. get that, you still get that kind of, that burn, but it's... Mm. It's it's fairly pleasant for for, mm. for when it comes to drinking a rum straight. So that's, those are the two right. drinks I've got just Thank now. You. I'm actually going to top up just now, so you can move you on. Can go on the top up, and we'll, we'll keep talking. Okay. What about you, Michael? 
You're drinking yeah, something, obviously. It? You were going to mix a Negroni, Negroni or something or other. Negroni, I did. How's the audio on mine? Is it sounding okay? Brilliant. Yeah, yeah it's good, fine. Good. Maybe the alcohol is probably the rum talking, but you sound great, Michael. Yeah, I know. Um, no, I mix up, mix up a Negroni, but I... Um, Nice. Usually with a Negroni, you have to um, you put like a slice of orange in there, and I just couldn't be bothered. I've just stopped uh, doing couldn't it. Do the orange. I just like it, it. Tastes great without it. So I've just yeah ice yeah. and the uh, Negroni. So it's, it's I'm yeah, not it's going down I'm well. I'm not going to mix main drinks anymore because every time I do, Alex laughs at me. Um, but it's because you mix beer with stuff. Not always. Not always. Uh, not always. Anyways. Oh, coffee and whiskey, and, um, and it's not even the evening. Oh, look, it's not I'm, even the morning. I'm out. I'm out. I'm, exp- I'm all for experimenting. But um, Negroni's a bit of the bit, bit the beer, the, the the drink of the moment in Europe this summer. It was anyway. I mean, it everyone is. was drinking the stuff. Even Wee Co got into it. Wait, um, Wei's Wei's always into it. Yeah, he's he's every every single time you see him, he's, he's like, a big ambassador for it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. is that a hip, is that a hipster drink? Is this to go with your hipster beard, Michael? Oh, I don't know if it's a hipster. <laughs> it could. It, well, it's more hipster than just like straight whiskey. But it's. I don't know if it's a hipster drink. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, I think it, I think it cla- classifies as hipster. Actually, actually, it probably is. I can't think of. Yeah. I can't think of. Yeah, anything more hipster at the moment. So it probably is. <laughs> okay, well, we've got one out of three hipsters on here, so we're, we're right. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm, and I'm also consuming some uh, painkillers as well for my back. So, um, oh, yeah. What happened to your back? I was bending over the bench. I woke up yesterday morning and it felt like someone had used my butt cheeks as boxing bags. Uh, uh, These okay. pains, pains in my butt. <laughs> yep. And then, and then during the day, it started. It started Calm down, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> During the day, it started traveling. The pain started traveling down my leg. And next thing you know, on the couch, trying wow. to get some painkillers into me. So it happened to me a couple of years ago, and um, a bit of nerve damage, so a bulging disc. But um, dodgy yeah, seat on your, at your at your at your bench. Just sitting, doing watchmaking all yeah. the time, and then if and then if you go out and do some manual labour, like at the moment I'm building yeah. steps and a retaining wall and stuff. It's just a combination. You haven't finished those steps yet. Jeez, no. you've been doing that for a couple of days now. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on you sent me a picture the other day they were they were done i know and that's it so far okay uh, but no i've um i've had to be i've had to be lying around for the last couple of days which is fine i'm consuming podcasts reading taking painkillers drink every now and then <laughs> Negronis, yeah yeah exactly so it's, it's recording it's podcasts it's been yeah. a good weekend so far. listening yeah. recording okay yeah. yeah you messaged me pretty early this morning yeah. Just out, kind of out of the blue, like I'm like I'm high as a kite or something like that. And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> good morning to you as well, Michael." Yeah, exactly. I'm flying. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, I was like, "Oh God, excellent." Well, that's a good way for someone to reach out to you on a Saturday morning. I was like, "God damn it, he's having a better weekend than me already." This is not fair. <laughs> and then I was like, "Are you guys recording?" Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'll ask Rob. Anyway, we are. This is it. We we're recording. We're always available for pretty much recording. Yeah, yeah. What are you drinking, Rob? What have you got? I thought you'd never ask. Um, I'm drinking. A, I'm taking a leaf out of my brother-in-law's book on a, on a good made in Switzerland. We had a we had a raclette for dinner. You know, a raclette, Michael. You know, like yeah, yeah. cheese raclette. Yep. Love um, it. Broke it out. Had it with the kids and stuff. It was just heaps of cheese and you know, hot fatty cheese. And then um, with some with a nice bottle of white wine. What are you laughing at? Oh, you're blowing your nose, my Alexander. What? Alexander. Um, Not me. You're talking to me like my mum. Yeah. Call me Alexander. I was trying oh, anyway. to guzzle down some of this red wine. Um, 
<laughs> you can tell us I'm laughing. Crack the next one out my nose. He's trying to catch up with me. Yeah. <laughs> I got no hope. But I did get through a bottle of white with dinner. But then um, my brother-in-law always used to go, we'd have a fondue or a racklet or whatever. Then we'd sit around and then crack a cold beer after to wash it all, you know, just to wash it down and something That's refreshing. That's good. Well, you can't really drink cold water after it. You often get thirsty. No. It's quite salty, cheesy. But beer is fine. Seriously, that's good. Anyway. I, 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 I never drank it. Well, I was always told if you drink cold beer, anything cold after um, fondue or raclette, then you're, um, you're in nah, some trouble. Nah, it's not too bad. Seriously, right. I mean, you've you got to have a pretty fragile metabolism. I mean, Alex wouldn't be able to, but you'd be able to do it and get away <laughs> that's with That's what it. I was thinking. I was like, Seriously, no, I'd, I'd be recording from the toilet right now probably. No, as long as it's <laughs> alcoholic. I mean, it's, you can't have, you know, obviously, cold water is no good, but um, this is fine, and then it's... it's um, it's, and I found a new beer, a little Kiwi beer called uh, Wakachangi, and it's brilliant. <laughs> it's, it's, um, <laughs> no laugh. Well, really any chance to put in some kind of funky pronunciation of, uh, <laughs> of something, you can't what? just, you what? couldn't just have a Casa Mine 4X, could you? No, 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 this is brilliant. Wakachangi. Um, that's exactly, well, I've watched yeah. it, they've got a couple of ads on YouTube, and this, um, their, their big byline is, Quite nice beer. It's one of those things where their marketing is just hilarious. Um, <laughs> and it's, have, look it up. Wacker Changi, it's, there's some ads done by a guy who, a Kiwi guy, a really funny TV presenter. They do a breakfast show, which is hilarious. Um, and they do, he does ads for these guys. Wacker Changi, brilliant. Uncle Kenny's amazing Wacker Changi. <laughs> anyway, it's um, going down a treat, I must say. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah. Well, so, Charles just messaged me. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, we're still friends. It's all, all good. <laughs> we're in the middle of a podcast. Come back. He's, he's, yeah, so it was you. Many thanks. <laughs> what did you, you? Did you actually tell him to get stuffed about the Jedley pick? No, I didn't. I said oh, I said uh, I didn't actually do that because I'm not that rude. But I said um, <laughs> I, just, I was just listening to the podcast and, and laughing because you tried to you tried to um, mention Jedley and I already had. Uh, so then he gave us another good one though. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was messaging that guy, the guy today, the the manifesto. Online. I was hoping you would yeah. actually. We need to, yeah, get him on here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, okay, what are we wearing on our wrists, gentlemen? Um, do, do I pick Abby? You go. You, you go first, Alex. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You go. <laughs> so I was recording with um, Scottish watches last night, and I had two Speedmasters on. Name dropper. But tonight, because I'm feeling a bit more relaxed. I'm back to the old swatch skin again, swatch I'm afraid, skin. guys. The one with the Milanese bracelet, at least? No. no beautiful, thin, silicone. Silicone. Mm-hmm. Strap. Yeah. Very good. And how are the boys at Scottish Watches, anyway? Um, they're good. They, there was no drinks to be had. Seriously? Well, I had, they, they had a few drinks, but they didn't have anything to drink. Oh. Which, it makes you feel... Yeah, I, I did have a go at them. I said, like, you're well you putting our be. country to shame by not actually drinking. <laughs> and I'm constantly telling everyone how we're a great nation of proud alcoholics and they, and they don't really drink on it. Um, but, yeah, they're good good fun. Good, good. Okay. Michael, what are you wearing? I'm wearing a Panerai. Oh, you're wearing that Panerai with that beautiful <laughs> blue strap. Beautiful <laughs> strap from I got from what's, you, yeah. What's Panerai, the model again? Panerai Luminor. I yeah. couldn't tell you the reference. I should have looked oh, at it. Oh God, that is I know. Poor. That I, is poor. I know. It's my wife's Panerai. 
This is actually oh, really? Panerai. Yeah, so this this one I bought in Italy in 2012. She she was we were hoping to go for a trip to Europe together, and she ended up getting well. We ended up getting pregnant, and so <laughs> okay. so my brother my brother came along with me instead, and we went to. Uh, Went to Prague. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, so yeah. your wife got pregnant. <laughs> hold on, hold on, just, hold on. Wait, you wait, wait, left her. No, no, no. We were, we were planning it. We didn't actually get the tickets or anything, but we were sort of saying we should do this. And she sort of, when, when, when we got pregnant, she sort of said, look, you should go off and go to Europe anyway. So I was like, okay. I, that's I put, what, you, I that's that. what you call a test, Michael. She's that a, is a test. She's okay. A, no, but she's a, she's a pretty cool wife, eh? So um, that's very cool. I mean, I yeah. So you went, you went, and you went on holiday, and but you bought a watch. We went, we went to, <laughs> we went to Prague, we went to Zurich, we went to Paris, um, Rome. Can I um, ask? Did you Basel, buy at, Basel at the old shop, the old, the old Panerai shop in Florence? Uh, no. Or, no. Okay. I bought it from a secondhand dealer in Rome. And and I thought I thought because she can't come on the holiday, I'm going to get her a gift and take it back. Beautiful. To her. And um, a gift that you can also wear, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. And she, did she ask for a Panerai? She, I'm guessing she, no. You know, you know what? Before that trip, she always liked the look of Panerai, okay. and she used to she used to wear one of my Daytonas years ago, and um, I sold that one. So I thought uh, I felt guilty about that. She was actually wearing that. That was a favorite watch, but I, <laughs> I bought her this and. Um, and um, yeah, and now you're wearing that. that. Okay, <laughs> and now I'm wearing that. I wear it more than she does, but she she still loves it. <laughs> Maybe it was just a strange craving, like a pregnancy craving for a Panerai. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> like gummy bears and Panerai. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but um, it's yeah, it's a beautiful strap on this thing. I've Good. Got, uh, yeah, Rob's. <laughs> Another plug. Yep. Geneva Blue. Geneva Blue. Yep. Exactly. Great. This this strap could last longer than the watch. You did say that before we came on. You said it it, it feels like it could last 200 years. 200 years. Is that because it's made of asbestos? Or no? (laughs) It's at least 10%. Rob guarantees all his straps are at least 10% asbestos, right, Rob? Minimum. Yep. Goodness me! Um, okay, what are we up to? So, uh, oh, what, what's you, your, what have you got on? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm wearing a little, <laughs> um, a Tudor, just for a change. It's nice. one I haven't got out for a long time. Probably haven't worn it for a year. It's a Prince Oyster date um, from about the uh, mid to late sixties, I suppose. Um, yeah, it's a type. It's, you know, those smaller size, thirty-four mil type thing. Um, just a grey yeah. dial. It's little small rose dial, and it's an old guy, an old, a very old man, a friend of the family who gave it to us, and he died since. He got died quite quite quickly afterwards. He had cancer or something. Uh, he actually, gave it to me for my son, my eleven year old son, um, at, who's eleven at the moment. He was ten or nine or ten then, and um, he said, "This is for t- for, 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 your, for your boy." I said, "You serious? No, no, yeah, 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 yeah." He wanted to give it away, so um, so I'm sort of looking after it for him. He's too rough to for, to wear it for the moment, but it's just a cool old watch, really. You know what it's like wearing these old vintage ones. They're quite small these days, you know. Um, but it's uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a cool watch. I, I like it. It's got um, you know, the old rotor self winding thing on the dial and stuff. And yeah, it's um, basic little watch. Actually, I've got Jade's yeah, I've got it on a bright blue strap, which is a bit over the top, really, for it. But um, is it one of your straps? 
No, I don't have any of this size yet. <laughs> I will have. That's how much kind of faith you have in your own product. No, I don't have any size yet, Brongo. Because it, because what sizes do you have? You have you have 18, 20, 22, not, 24. Not yet. I don't have 18 yet. I have 20. This is great. I get to talk about my straps. Yeah. 20, 22, and 24 for the moment. Um, right. But I will have 18, 19, 20, 21 coming. Um, well, so. they cover Panerai, Speedmasters, uh, exactly. Rolex, most Rolex. Yeah, yes. it's really good. Yeah. Not the uh, first Omega in space, though. Really? Uh, yeah, because that's 19 mil. Well, that's what's coming up. That's what's going to okay. get in a few weeks' time. So just just hold your horses. I okay. didn't, didn't realise that was smaller. Yeah, 19. Yeah, a, bit, yeah. Yeah, a bit of a funny one. There we go. There's my learning for the day. Yeah. Just need to just work out what Panerai you've got on now as well, and then you're, you're ready, <laughs> ready for everything. What was that? You just need to work out oh. what the reference number on your Panerai is now. Oh, I could get my loop out and have a look. You, should, you need your loop on all the time. Yeah, I haven't got the loop on. I've got my loop on. Not really, actually. I've got and my it's... white coat on. <laughs> and that's all. Nothing underneath. It's limited to 1,500 pieces. Ooh. It's number 256 of 1,500. Wow. 1,500. Okay. That's a tiny limited edition, isn't it? And it's OP. It's it's one of the original ones with the Edda, the big Edda movement. Um, oh, Really? The manual. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm in a dark, dark room at the moment, so it's OP six. Oh man, let's get the torch out. <laughs> OP OP six five six eight. Oh, the six five six eight. Yep. Never heard of it. Okay. Yep. That, that's not a Panerai reference. It's not always like Pam three five. Oh yeah, but they never. Yeah. Well, they don't have the Pam number on this. I never understood. I never understood why they. I never understood why they have a Pam reference and then they have another reference, OP. Me either. What are yeah. they doing? Anybody from Panerai who's listening in to the podcast, yeah. can you please sort that, sort that out? Yep. <laughs> DM me. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Well, moving right yeah. along, we can wrap up now, can't we, pretty much? Yeah. We done? 20 yeah. minutes. We're good. Yeah, so, so, you know, we've got three watchmakers on this now. Oh, you're joking. Well, two and a no, half. No, remember, I only ever classify myself as half a watchmaker. That's not true. Rob is 90% of a watchmaker. That's I thought true. you were at 100%, but if you don't know your watch references, I might have to downgrade <laughs> you as well. To 90, 95. I'll give you 95 out of 100. Yeah. yeah. That's not true, though, man. You've, you, how many how many years have you been watchmaking? Me? Yeah. Three. You see, three. You've, you've, got, you've, got, you've got a long way to go, and it's you're going to be... You got a lot to learn, but you still—that's that's just what happens in watchmaking. You can't. You can't. Listen, I gave up learning a long time ago. <laughs> He's teaching now. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Anyone who I'm teaching is in serious. Although I have trained people before, I don't want yeah. to say to do what. I feel like this is the um, the part where I say this is definitely not the way things happen at Swatch. But some people say that it's you. You come in, the last person who joined trains you. Even though if they've only started a week a week before you, job. and then it just kind of goes on from there <laughs> and there, on and on and on, um, until everyone's incredibly undereducated when it comes to swatch making. That that's not what happens at swatch, but swatch I've, I've heard swatch making. Yeah, right. Okay. Yep. Man, you take some risks, don't you? I, do, I really. Do. You, you love it. You love living I on the edge. <laughs> oh, I think I think I think I think Michael's probably the one that is 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 um. What classifies as the most experienced watchmaker here? I um, I don't know. I don't know about that. Well, I mean, yeah. you yeah, yeah. After listening to that first podcast with you, that episode oh, which yeah, was amazing. Awful. 
basically. And, yeah, that waffling on went for a long time, but it was <laughs> there was there was a lot Sorry. of there was a lot of no there was a lot of good info in there, and I, I was actually well, I don't know about info, but it was a good I could I could <laughs> I could, I could, no. I could, I could I could paint a good picture of, of your experience. That's good. Was, I'm glad, actually. Yeah, um, like because I, I think I think going through AP and learning Anglage and, and so oh, that, yeah. that's, no, that's no, it's definitely interesting. Yeah. Really good. Oh, here we go. Anglage again. You're going to oh, get you, started. Well, I'm glad. Yeah, Anglage. you mentioned it. I'm glad you mentioned that because yeah, yeah. I love talking um, about yeah Anglage. I've been dreaming up. Uh, I was thinking the other night. I'm going to do. You, you see my YouTube things. Uh, my little tiny dodgy clips on YouTube. Oh. Um, Man, I, I was going to say, I've been meaning to look at your YouTube video. Oh, I was going to prepare for Out! Out! <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't even watch the one we were both on. Jesus. We did one. Get... Yeah, we did. Yeah, we were both on. We did a You're supposed yeah. to be the super fan, Michael. I thought you were uh, the no, super fan. Yeah. And, and downgraded there's again. So much, there's so much content. There's so much <laughs> yeah. content to consume at the moment with all of Waco's videos out at the moment on YouTube and everything. It's just, it's yeah, mental. I, I have to stay up 24 hours a day just to get through everything. Fair enough. Fair enough. I wouldn't look. I wouldn't look at ours either. Actually, mine either. To be honest. But, oh um, no, I'm going to because I'm about to yeah. do it in French. So you can listen to it in French, then I want to do the. Oh, God. <laughs> really? You should. No, please well, don't. Well, oh, it, okay. No, it's not for you, Alex. You just you just sit back over in the corner, okay? I'm the only person that watches the bloody YouTube videos. You need to no, there's three encourage or four me. There's at least three others. Um, I, I think it'd be cool if you you did it in French. Well, no, Alex hang is, on. Alex is there that, as well because you just start laughing all the time. Let me explain. <laughs> well, yeah, true. I got there's guys in Switzerland that want to that want to listen to or watch them, but they get you know two minutes in and they sort of eyes glaze over and they can't. I talked to a couple of ex colleagues and one ex colleague he said, "Oh, I would love to, but I I can't understand the English, mate." And I you know, well, this is what he says in French, obviously. But um, yeah. so you know, so I said, "Oh well, I'll, I'll do a little, I'll, I'll sort you out. I'll do a French one just to just to, but it won't be as long as that two hour marathon I do. With that. I'll split it up. Um, but yeah, we'll chuck that on YouTube and see see if it gets any, you know, see if the old Swissies get any get get get, get involved. But that one was the most popular one. That one, I, I know I said this before, but that one, you, that was the most popular. Well, in terms of people making it all the way through to the end, yeah, that was the most popular one. I can see anyway, why as well. We don't want to dwell on that. But um, no, no. I was actually I met last time I was in um Melbourne. Or yeah, mm. I met Michael Presser. Um, oh yeah. At I went up to his his, his a great little workshop by the way he's got there. Um, he has seemed like a nice guy. Um, he's a great guy knows his stuff and i had a really really a decent long chat with him um we we're talking about patek and ap uh, sales service and different stuff uh, he showed me around it was uh, it was quite educational and um but i've not met paul i've heard so paul madden is is a guy you work with as well right and he's the one in wastap is that correct yes yeah he was my teacher at yeah i worked with him and then he was my teacher at uh, wastap yeah Okay, brilliant. Um, so obviously he knows his stuff as well. How long has he been at Wastep for now? Well, he's just gone back there recently in the last couple of years. He he went. Okay. He started at Wastep and then he travelled. He was in China. He was in the US as an instructor, right, okay. and, and he's come back around to to Switzerland. But I think yeah, he'd, be, okay. he'd be he'd be great to have on the podcast too. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't like these people that have been places. All these people that have been in Switzerland, uh, Hong yeah. Kong, and I'm like, I've been in Glen Iris, and the train and the tram to and from Glen Iris. But but don't you understand? You get to travel through these people, and you don't have to spend any money on it. You get to you get to experience all these all this traveling. 
I want to go and eat the cheeses and get the crippling diarrhea from having the wrong beverage afterwards. Like, all I mean, right, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll have a chat to JCB and I'll try and hook you up with some cheese. Well, we'll, yeah. we'll sort you out. I'm going to come over next year, basically. Um, no, yeah. I deliberately didn't say that I'd met Charles in Hong Kong because I knew you'd, you'd, you'd go off on a tangent, basically, um, when I first oh. met him. But it was anyway, Which Charles, Charles, Which? Charles Turl. Oh, okay, Charles yeah, um, yeah, but uh, anyway, yeah, you, met, met, you, met, you met, you met, you met. You visited Michael Presser. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But it was just sort of, um, and I guess I know. Oh no, no! Shout out to Tom Ashton, another one of your ex colleagues at Rolex, ex Rolex. Yes, he's, he's yep. gone too now. Um, yep. Keep, keep him. He came and he came across on a course um, when I was in Geneva, um, and I think it was Yia or someone uh, hooked us up uh, or told him to get in touch with me. Basically, um, so this guy out of the blue, you know, from Melbourne. Um, calls me and says, oh, I'm in town for a course. Said, yeah, great. So we caught up, had a had dinner and stuff. I showed him around. I think we had, there was something on. It was um, the Vendange or something, which is like a, a sh- an evening where all the watch shops are open to public. Right. And they have wine, wine. They have a different wine per, per every every different boutique, a different um, vineyard. Oh, it's great. You just get, well, you have a bit of wine. Um, <laughs> wander around looking at watches. It's in Geneva. Count up and down. me in. That's can brilliant. I just, it's, can it's I just wonderful. say? Can I just say I love yeah. the way you say boutique? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, I'm just oh, sorry. I Alex gets cheesed off. You know, the, the one I love the most is when go. Rob tries to say a number and then he's like, listen, I apologize. <laughs> I can only think of numbers now in French. I've never I have said to that in my life. Translate them. I, I have to say them out loud in French and then translate <laughs> yes. them back into English so and then into Australian. That's incredible. <laughs> That's incredible. And, and, and it's, it's not even true, but it's, it would be incredible. <laughs> but but there, there's just one or two instances where, you know, it's off the top of your head, a, a, a model or a movement reference pops into your head in French. But I mean, because you, yeah. you do your training on it. You do three or four or five years in it talking about this this thing in the 6497. I say I can say it now. I can say it in English. It, uh, yeah, the Valjul 6497. I can say it. You know, it took me a few years to get to that. Um, anyway, yeah. I won't say it in French because he gets, gets pissed off. But anyway. Sorry, I keep um, changing uh, changing uh, direction. That's good. It's what? good for us. <laughs> there is no well, direction you, you just, here. You, just, you can't yeah. change a direction from no direction. Okay. You were just, talk, you were just talking about my friend and ex-colleague, Tom Ashton. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So he just came out. Oh, I was saying he came out for a course and we, 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 um, we caught up and he was... We had it. We took him. We took him out to dinner. Had a little cool little restaurant in the old town that you've been up in, in the Vieville, Geneva. And then the next day, I think, was this. Just happened to be the the, the Vendange. This this uh, little well, it's a big event actually. It's but it's really local. It's the sort of thing they don't even hear about outside Geneva because you know it, it's you have the big shows, of course, that everyone hears of. But there's lots of little things. You know what it's like. Stuff in Newtown, yeah. even the stuff that happens and you don't even hear about it outside it. And this Vondor yeah. thing is a, I don't know if they still do it. I, I'm pretty sure they would. They, we did it for several years. Um, and so you're just rocking in and, you know, Geneva's a small town, as you know, you, you, and you ride, run up and down the Rue de Rhone, Rue de Rhone and, um, you know, you know all the, most of the boutique managers because they're all, you know, the same sort of job and they all love Richard Mill, so you, you just rock in anywhere. Um, and, yeah, so you go in there and, Grab a grab a glass of wine at every every different boutique, and it's like my goodness. By the end, it's 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 quite it's quite a struggle. Yeah. Um, anyway, and yeah, Tom mm. actually we, we piked out. I didn't not halfway, but we we got a fair bit of it done, two thirds, and then he uh, 
he had to go. I think he was leaving early the next morning, so I didn't want to get too carried away. But um, we did the the patek, the salon patek, yeah. and a few different different spots. Some of the ones he wanted to see, so it was it was just really cool. And you know, I can imagine for a guy, oh. I mean, sure he'd probably been to Geneva before for a course one or once or twice, but um, you know, to come from Melbourne yeah. to go there and to really experience something quite different it was it was quite it was quite cool to be able to you know share that. So yeah, what year was that? Oh, testing me now. Um, I could look it up. It was between two thousand and ten and two thousand and fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. So he would have he would have probably gone for the um for the the, the last date eight course on the thirty thirty two fifty five then oh because I was the old thirty two fifty five yeah uh, well the, have... it's it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's the newest caliber yeah he, he would have told yeah. me but I I forgot straight away I don't know all the references yeah. basically um yeah. but yeah it was um it was kind of cool to to be I guess yeah Rolex seemed quite good like that to do the, with the training and stuff and they're quite um, fantastic yeah, yeah okay. So that's all the old guards left then. They've got a new bunch of young guys there or what's the story? They have. Um, well, no, no, not all of them because there's still there's still a couple of the original guys there that when I first started in 2005, they're still there. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah okay. Because no. okay. Tom seemed, he's quite, he's quite not, he'd been there a little while. Um, yeah, he. I want to say he started there in uh, maybe it was 2009. Okay. I actually had a little. Wrong. Sorry, Tom, if I'm wrong, but yeah, I remember <laughs> because because he didn't he didn't come to my wedding, and my wedding was in 2009. I think I'd already sent out uh, invites right. to all of the other work colleagues, and he was one of the guys that didn't come to the wedding. Right, so I was okay. Like, Sorry, man. Uh, okay. poor Tom. You know. Did you go to the wedding, Michael, or did you go on a Europe trip with your with your brother? Yeah, I know. I turned up to the wedding. <laughs> okay, good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was the best. Be there for the important days. We had a whole weekend, and it was like a record amount of watchmakers at a wedding. Serious, like all of the Rolex team, and then all of my family, and yeah, it was, it was <laughs> you just talked to watches all weekend. Well, no, yeah. not really. It, was, <laughs> it, um, it got to be crazy, but it was it was a lot of fun. I actually had a job. I almost got Tom to do something for me during the Australian Open, um, because mm. Nadal had a problem with his Richard Mill. There's like a screw missing or something that came out of the really? screw or something rather. And I and and we were running around panicking. And my boss, the director of um, yeah, Richard Mill. The, AP actually in Switzerland said, um, you know, any watchmakers in Melbourne? I said, yeah, sure, of course I do. <laughs> and he's like, well, what do you mean? I said, oh, no, I know watchmakers in every single major city in the world. Um, <laughs> anyway, I said, um, yeah, this is the guy. Great. Tom's a great guy, works for Rolex. He'll do it, no worries. We've got to send him some screws. He can go, he get into the, he can go and pick up the watch from the Australian Open, fix the thing, put it in. Yeah, and it was all it was all sorted. We we're going to do it. And then in the last second, there was another alternative or someone gave him a hand, him another watch or something. So uh, poor Tom missed out on a. Oh, that's a shame. On a free trip, it would have been yeah. sort of outside and uh, extracurricular to, to Rolex, but anyway, no one would have known until afterwards. Until yeah. now, yeah, until now, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, do you so. do you, you pronounce it Richard Mill? Oh, is no, it, I isn't do. It, isn't it Richard Mill? Richard, yeah, over there you'd pronounce it Richard Mill. Yeah, right, okay. I if I say that here, no one knows what I'm talking about, so I've got to sort of right. modify it a bit. Well, it's not that yeah. different. Richard. Yeah, you wouldn't say that. Yeah, anyway, uh, you oh, can. Or you could just you could just go halfway and go Richard Mill. Nah, well, <laughs> look. If you look at my YouTube videos where I pronounce all all uh, Swiss yeah. watchmaking company names in French, here, then you're, you're not know. up to date, Michael. Yeah, do you? Yeah, yeah. He does. It's been all through them all. What am oh, I up man. to? No, I haven't quite been through them all. I'm up. I'm up to last. It month. feels like you've been through them all. <laughs> It feels like you've been through them all many, many, many. Could you just not listen anymore? Okay, you just you can just turn off now, and I'll finish off. I've only got a couple of letters left, and then I'll start on something else. 
<laughs> I have to get I have to get on your YouTube channel. Oh to. dear. No, well, yeah, you might if you get through the first one, let me know and then it's it's, it's already a big big effort. Um Well I got through your podcast the first episode, so I listened to that in one night. Oh crikey. Two hours. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I never I never listened. Oh my goodness, okay. Even we had to take a break halfway halfway. <laughs> More than a break. You had to go and have a pee, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see you meant okay. What listeners don't don't know, but my podcast with uh with Anthony and Alex. I, I kept it running and I went to the toilet. Well, they're gonna know now. Yeah, well they do know now, but I, I, I actually I was I was impressed by that when you told me afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, I, I at the it was it was around it was around the point where Anthony was asking me about Rolex and this the the the, the after the second hand market basically. And I, I think at that point I said, I don't know how to answer that because I was concentrating. I really just wanted them to talk between themselves and just leave me alone for a, give me give, give me 20 seconds <laughs> but i managed to get through it one thing i did pick up from that conversation just just mm. harking back to that um was the bit you were talking about um how Rolex don't want to work on certain you know watches that are over a certain age or certain you know delicate dials or whatever old mm-hmm. watches um yeah you're just talking about can i just clarify you're talking about yeah. Rolex Australia there i mean if, if a guy took it back to Geneva and said, yep. you know, do the service. Ah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the, the, if you or took not. it, I don't know. The, um, it's a good question. If, if it may have to go to the restoration department, depending on the age or the rarity of yeah. the dial. Um, or maybe Rolex Geneva direct, just the regular after sale service might handle that. I'm not 100% mm. sure about that okay. because it has, I've been out of Rolex for yeah. a few years now and, and it was changing a little bit, but right. I know. Before before Rolex Australia even there was affiliates around the world for years not working on any Newmans or any any, any dials that had anything anything uh, uh, unusual on it they were just yeah okay yeah. because uh, it doesn't uh, yeah uh, it doesn't kind of sound logical I mean they've, 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 it's their product and and they're still there yeah. and it's an old company they and they should have spares and everything else you, you'd you'd imagine that they wouldn't you know really be able to say no um, to a service on on, on on an old piece, I don't know. Well, um, they probably you know, AP and these places where they've got, yeah. um, you know, big, big, that what do they call them departments. You mentioned the word before departments where they they redo the whole, you know, um, historic restoration. That's restoration. What Omega have got, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they they do it. That's their job. Um, they do their best, yeah. and there's waivers and all sorts of things. But I'd imagine Rolex would do the similar thing though in Geneva. Yeah, I think they they've got a restoration department and I spent I spent a week there with them and they yeah, they would probably they would probably handle anything actually. Yeah, those guys. Yeah, okay. So are they any good though? Because I always tell people to not send stuff, any vintage stuff, I always tell people not to send it to the original manufacturers because they're not I just don't think they're they're set up for it. Um some of them. There's well, the, the ones that I know good. about. Yeah. I just I, I just I wouldn't I wouldn't risk it. I'd rather send it to, to somebody who just does vintage, whatever the brand is, mm. and have more faith in them actually doing it properly because that's the yeah, stuff yeah, they okay. always do. Yes, rather, I've just I've heard too many horror stories and seen too many watches mm. come back that mm. have that look like they're half new, half old. So I just I wouldn't even I wouldn't even risk it, especially when some of the brands kind of shy away from from doing work and on the older pieces i just think like why bother even giving them the chance to fuck up in the first place just send it to someone who knows what they're doing 
yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I know, I know, I know the guys at Rolex in, in Melbourne at least, and and um, I, I I trust them, but but they um, yeah, I mean they wouldn't they wouldn't probably work on something that's that's super rare that's got a dial that's like it's got King Vazil's dial uh, signature on the dial or something like that. Yeah, they yeah. they're just saying no, we're not gonna we're not gonna risk that. So yeah, um, okay. But but they, they they always offer options. So Dep- <laughs> it depends on the watchmaker too. I mean, it's hard to know with independent watchmakers who's who's good to send that sort of stuff mm-hmm. to as well. Yeah. So, were you there still when Dufour, the, the CEO, was there, or was it after he was? No, um, I was. I'm pretty sure I was there, and I didn't meet him. When did he come? Um, it yeah, must have been like remember. 2016 or 17. Yeah, around there. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's a clever guy. He seems like a switched on guy. Yeah. Um yeah. I, I I didn't meet him because he, he had a flying visit, I think, and yeah, okay. And um I think it was over the over a weekend or something. But um Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think yep. I met him at um Zenith or something once. Um a while or, I mean I'm sure you wouldn't remember me remember who I was, but um oh. yeah, when he was at Zenith. He's but he's um very I mean there's some there's some clever guys in the in the industry in Switzerland, my goodness, they're really the some, yeah, some smart cookies. Um, yeah. he's one of he's one of the best CEOs, I reckon. Well, that's obviously when we got the headhunted for those guys. But yeah, so so what was your experience at Richard Mill again? Um, have we got time, Alex? Of course we do. We've got all the time in the world. This is. <laughs> um, I worked well. The, the Richard Mill. Oh, I say Richard Mill to the Aussies, but the Richard Mill, La Boutique Richard Mill, a Genève. That sounds so it much better. A, um, it was, <laughs> it was a joint venture. Um, <laughs> it was a joint venture between Richard Mill EMEA, UMEA, which is you know Europe, Middle East, and Africa, and that's like the the distributor and and Audemars Piguet Suisse, which is not Audemars Piguet Le Brasseur, but Audemars Piguet, the Swiss affiliate, where I worked momentarily or for, for, for almost a couple of years between when I worked at the manufacturer and then I worked at the Swiss affiliate and then they had this project and they just opened, they'd had a soft opening for the new Richard Mill boutique in Geneva. Um, and then they, all of a sudden they, they needed someone to run it basically. Um, That's cool. And yeah, they wanted someone with, well, uh, English and French and also sort of ideally watchmaking plus sales uh, and it's kind of a yeah. weird weird profile yeah. not many people luckily uh, had that and so and i'd done sales before before getting into watchmaking before starting with ap i'd done international sales for for for, for a tooling company you know in french and yeah. english and whatever based in switzerland mm. um so yeah it sort of worked out and i put my hand up to pick me pick me um and they did Stupid. I think uh, you must have been perfect for the job because you can certainly talk as well. So <laughs> that's about all I can do, really, to be honest. Um, but yeah, and, I, and it was, and so I was there. Yeah, we we, we sort of did a proper opening then, and um, and that was the first was the first Richard Mill boutique, really. I think, well, not in Europe, but um, well, definitely in Switzerland, and um, and then um, yeah, it just was in the was a really high growth phase. It was great, and everything was going nuts. Yeah. Um, and then even well, obviously when I when I left, they were redoing the whole thing, um, changing the strategy, redoing the the boutique, and then opening a new big boutique in in the center of those, uh, center of Geneva in the Rue de Horn. Um, so that was a you know a, the mass. Now that became the flagship boutique. The other one actually, we renovated it and sort of closed it for a while, and that's when I actually left. And then they opened reopened it, and then they 
shut it down and, and convert it back into a um, a an AP boutique, well, a multi-mark AP boutique. I was not in Richard Mill anymore. We had Richard Mill in that in, in that boutique, um, mm. and then they took it back basically for the for the main shop in town. Yeah. So for five years, I ran that shop, um, and at the start, see, they wanted. We actually had a little. Um, Ben, uh, uh, what do you call it? A bench, a workbench. Um, that it was all, you know, stainless steel and and frosted glass, and it looked great, but it was terrible to work at. Um, not practical. Yeah. No, not practical. But then, and then we had a big plate glass window giving, you know, going out to like quite close to the lobby of the ho- this, the hotel, the Kempinski, and then another one looking out basically to the. I don't know what you call it in English. Sorry, Alex. <laughs> 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 the um the the, the uh, I don't know what to call it in French. <laughs> where the what you hear where they had all the, the, yeah. the cars that come in for the you know the the, the concierge and stuff for, for the hotel. So all these really mm. fancy cars would rock up and park outside just outside the the boutique was cool. Um, you know, yep. Rolls and Aston one seventies one seven sevens and stuff like that. It was just nuts. Um, so yeah, it's. And then sort of so sort of morphed really quickly from a sort of a uh, a watchmaker, you know, inverted commas watchmaker sales guy um, responsible for the boutique to, to just managing the shop. Um, I still had the had the bench there for or the you know the 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 freaking whatever you call it to do you know strap changes and, and basic stuff. You know, go open open a watch and it has a loose screw, whatever. Um, yeah. I didn't do any full servicing. Uh, I had a few little bits and pieces, but and I, the longer I was there, the more I had. I sort of doing more and more, but I never did any real proper servicing. Yeah, uh, we just. Uh, but I went up to Livrelu quite often, where where the factory was or is, um, which is between sort of um, it's the other side of La Chaux-de-Fonds. If you go quite north of Chaux-de-Fonds, basically towards the mm-hmm. French border, again between La Chaux-de-Fonds and Saint-Léger or Basel, that direction. Um, that's where the watches are made, uh, and I up there a bit for the courses like you guys did you know back to the yeah back to the mothership um so i had a, a decent yeah good experience yeah we could you know with uncasing and casing up and all that stuff there's no drama um but i didn't really do any i didn't have enough room or play uh, you know, parts or anything to do anything in the boutique anyway so so could, could you do a, could you service one if you needed to though like yeah, and, and now if you were given one just now could you yeah. service it it's a washer movement it's not something that special um, I, I yeah, they, 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 they look they look spectacular, but in the end, they're, they're, it's a pretty a basic. Movement. I mean, the, yeah. yeah, you know, the, the concept is like any other, as you know, you know, the, the gear trains nothing. It's just that it's all skeletonized, so it looks yeah. kind, of, kind of cool. But you know, yeah. I've seen that that movement non-skeletonized used in a you know Hermes or Chopin or whatever. Um, well, not Chopin, but um, Chanel. There's a few different different brands that use that sim- very similar movement mm. um, and non-skeletonized, and it was. The only thing I I'd, I'd hesitate right I'd, these days to do a hairspring. I haven't really. I mean, I could mm. I could have a stab at it, but it'd be literally a stab. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, apart from that, I mean, it's, it's, it's no drama, right? and that's what I found at um, AP. It was you know you, you, people can see straight away, and you do bench tests and stuff. So you know you got you've got decent hands and good eyes, hands and good eyes. Um, yeah, it's, it's not it's not rocket science, but. Um, mm. How are they, they yeah. skeletonizing the uh, Richard Mill movements? It's that, all can you done. talk? It's, can you talk about that? All machine done, is it? And then hand is it hand finished afterwards? It's not even really hand finished, to be honest. Um, right. Some parts yeah. are, but the, the main 
the main movement, the main bridges and stuff. I mean, it's all just um, skeletonized. Just yeah. machine. It's all just it's just um, CNC skeletonized. There's nothing nothing that that flash. There's no there's no hand polishing. There is a little bit on um, some limited tourbillons? edition. You know, some yeah, some tourbillons. Yeah. Um, but the, the base model, the RM, well, the tens and elevens back in the day, or still still elevens, and then the twenty nine thirty that sort of stuff. The basic you know, mm. time time and date. Um, the, the, the movements are really nothing over the top as far as yeah. finishing. I mean, the finishing so looks good. Just, is it just kind of mass produced then? Is that what you're saying? As mass produced as you can have in a, in a for 3,000, 2,000 movements. Yeah. I mean, they're not making any more than about 4,000. Um, so yeah. So where, where's all the hidden value? Where, where, where do the, how do the, uh, Imagine up the the price tag on them there, mate. Rafa Nadal wears it, mate. <laughs> you just said he, one of the screws fell out when he was hitting a shoddy backhand. So, like, that was, um, that's because he always wore prototypes. That's our excuse. Ah, okay. There's always prototypes. But uh, is there any kind of direct connection? Um, well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he wore he wore, he wore a lot of the prototypes. The very first RM twenty sevens, for example. Uh, they kept flying off because they couldn't hold it onto the his backhand was or his forehand whatever his smash was too hard. Um, mm. There's too much too much too many G's and and that's what happened. Effectively, the 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 screws holding the bracelet on or the strap, the Velcro strap onto the the watch, the carbon watch was um, not strong enough, or the, or the fittings weren't strong enough. At the end of the bracelet, the bracelet kept the the bit in the middle of the the nylon part in the middle of the bracelet kept coming loose or whatever, and there's two or three of them flew off his wrist back at the start. Mm. And you got this $750,000 watch flying around the, the court. Um, but they fixed that. And that was all part, you know, it was part of the development. It was, was, was a, was a full on proper development. Um, you know, but apart from that, they worked with other brands, but that was their, that was the, the high end. The, the bread and butter was the, the basic models, which were the Vorsche movement. Beautiful, beautifully done Vorsche movement, but that's still a Vorsche. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, you know, they, they were pretty simple. Um, well, no, they weren't simple. I mean, compared to some, some watches, they weren't simple, but no. you know, the, the principle was, doesn't change much. Yeah, still, they still look really nice. I mean, the way they're done and the casing they're and everything. Yeah. Yeah, they're very I always different. have a soft spot for them. I go, obviously, logically, yeah. but I mean, people, some people hate them or don't like them at all. You, you, know, you read people that just don't see the value. But yeah, I can, I can, I can see it. I mean, they, um, they, do, they do have a different look. Um, I think it's just, it's just clever. Richard you know, Richard, he, he was such a clever marketing guy. Um, great, really nice guy, funny guy, good guy. And he, um, you know, he's just really, really clever at marketing. And that's, that's, that's the brands sometimes that do best. It's the guys that aren't watchmakers. Not, they don't get bogged down in technical stuff. They have, they surround themselves with good people. Um, mm. And I've said every time, almost every time I talk about this, I talk about Max Busser in the same, same breath because he does the same, he's the same. He's not a watchmaker. He's a great, he's a marketing guru, you know. Um, I like how he doesn't, he doesn't, um, there's, there's, there's nothing fake about it either. He, just, exactly. he talks about yeah. using other yep. people to help him build yep. the watches. Yep. Yeah, and he does exactly. use the, he uses great, great, great stuff. watchmakers to help him. And, Good, yeah. brilliant watchmakers. Yeah. yeah. And his whole team, the, the whole, the, the different team, which is a sort of an evolving, a moving team all the time, depending on the project. You know, they're, they're, they're all, they're all brilliant guys. And some of them, well, you know, some of them, they're, they're quite, they're, they're not, they're great guys. Um, but this, one of them, yeah. Steve McDonald for the, uh, the yes. perpetual calendar. He, he yep. was, he was a teacher when I was at Worcester, actually. He was yeah. One of the okay. teachers I've not met him. I, I think I've seen him. I've seen him around, and I, but I've not actually, I don't think I've ever, ever, actually, ever actually spoken to him. Um, mm. Unfortunately. I mean, nice I know guy. He's with, 
Yeah, apparently. From, from Ireland too. Yep, another one, another yeah. Paddy. Um, yep. <laughs> he's worked with um, he's worked with Carrie. He's worked with uh, François uh, Monjon. He's worked with a bunch of, and also that uh, the design dude, mate. What's his name? The, um, yeah, he just really gets good people, basically, that, that are the best in their field. Yep. And and that's that's why they 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 end up being you know, really cool, really cool watches. Is yeah. that not what he did when he was with Harry Winston? Anyway, doing the whole Opus thing, mm-hmm. he was just kind of. Picking yeah. the right people to do managing the project to basically. do the job, and then he just he took that that kind of idea and then started up his own thing. So it's basically a extension of the Opus series, but in his own yeah, yeah in his own vision, which has worked out for him really well. That had already used you know Andre Streller and these guys, these other watchmakers uh, that, that that had worked on that, the Uvac guys. You know, he had some yeah a lot of contacts with all these guys already. So he just took it over his own, his own, his own structure, and it worked brilliantly. Basically, um, not always the easiest watches to work on. I think I knew new guys, different watchmakers, and different um, contractors here and there who worked on the stuff for him and with him and stuff. And they weren't always easy, but they were easier than the Harry Winston ones. A few of them were just right crazy to work on. Yeah, yeah. and mm. never get, they can never get right the, the, the prototypes for years and years and years. But then again, you know, Richard Mill went through that as well. We had a few Richard Mills which took years to come to market because we just couldn't get the things right. And the the, the, the marketing guys would pop out with it and show, show images of it and all of a sudden they were working their butts off to try and release it to market. But it took years sometimes. Um, it's it's yeah. a lot of it's a lot of risk and work involved in creating something so different. Like it's similar similar to um similar to Vianney Alta, his watches. They're so different and and they would they would I knew they would they, I know they were rushing. At some point, to just to get ready for Basel World, you know, uh, each year. So, yeah, and that's why yeah. he nearly he almost chucked it in. Vianney, he's, he's a funny guy as well, but he he got really quite frustrating, and um, you know, then he had problems with service and stuff, and and you know, when you start having customers that complain and stuff, not that he had that many, but there was just a few issues for a few years, and then he was so close to saying, "Forget, I'm not going to do it," and he did have mm. a little bit of a break for a couple of years. Do you know Vianney, Michael? You know no, no, him? I've never met him. Yeah. I know, I know, um, I know someone that worked for him. Yeah, okay. He's yeah. Uh, I've been in the workshop a few times. He's probably the closest watchmaker to my house though, in Switzerland. Um, yeah, I know. Anyway, he's um he's an awesomest workshop, but it's it's pretty much pretty much like our, our podcast. Just no structure. No, it's all over the place. <laughs> There's no. Uh, it's just a nightmare. It's a okay. I'm gonna get my CV ready. And just send, it and I'm like, I'm overqualified to work for you. Please listen to the but, podcast. Exactly. Oh, you'll be in like Flynn, the great guy. Really. Funny guy and really good, but but yeah, I mean you know a genius with the stuff he comes out with. And that last one, that really the deep space really got him back on the road to redemption. You know, even in his own mind, he really really got him back interested again, passionate about it. Um, got a few got a few people that were all you know opened people's eyes, got some buyers, and that really kicked him off again. Really, so it's um because he made some great stuff back in the day, but um yeah, he's just these guys need you know they need to be driven. Um, you heard a project like that. He's yeah, yeah. He does guy. some amazing stuff. I mean, he's a, oh yeah, 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 incredible stuff. I suppose if you're making crazy stuff and there's going to be teething issues with these kind of things, of and if you're making again small production runs, it's not like yeah. the big guys who can just pump out a million and then sort mm-hmm. out, sort them out as they go. And yeah. if your customers are spending multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars mm. on a watch, 
yeah. they're going to probably going to be a lot more vocal about it if they're not happy oh, for sure. compared to someone that spends a thousand dollars on something so it, it has to, that's when it really has to be a, a true kind of labor of love that, that they're involved and in. they can't really go in kind of and with a half measure it needs to be they need to be fully fully into it to make it a successful thing oh yeah you look you look you- yeah, you look at the classic. Uh, is it Janvier? Uh, classic Janvier. It's a. It's a. It's oh, a yeah. Biani, Biani's yeah. watch. Yep. That's it. That's an incredible masterpiece. Yeah, he ha- it's like to make one of those. He has to basically put aside twelve months or something like that. He has to say, "All right, I'm not doing any other work." He hand makes the dial, like hand engraves the numerals and everything. It's it's incredible, and the and the workmanship and the movement is just insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. then at least those guys are a bit more flexible. You know, they can spend a year doing it, or they can stop other projects and stuff. Whereas the big big guys with their you know their production schedules and all their all their stuff, um, and their suppliers and everything, it's it's a lot more planning involved. Well, then the small guys there is too, but they are more flexible. They can move quickly. They can change a part. They can change something. Um, you know, mm. and and if it works, sometimes they're, they're, yeah, they can they can get away with it. But um, yeah, mm. stuff like Fiani's is is. It's next level. It's nice. It is. But he's a fun, he's a great guy as well. That's what I liked about the the, 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 the watchmakers I got him best with were the ones who could go and have a drink with or the ones that just didn't take themselves too seriously. And Vianney really doesn't. He's just so funny. Oh, um, yeah, he'd be great to meet. He just seems yeah. like a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he is. Um, yeah. I'll give you a call once I get a job with him, Michael. Yeah. Okay, you can come and visit. Do that. Do <laughs> that. I'll, in fact, I'll just send them this podcast as part of my my CV. I'll just attach it as an audio file, so he knows how disorganized I am. That and then I'll do it. Yeah. yeah, Tell him my center. He'll be right. Yeah, it's a great workshop. Like it is great. It's like yeah. it's like it's, there's equipment everywhere. It's like it's not like a typical workshop. Yeah, where yeah. you went to the workshop. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, yeah. and clean and everything. He's got crazy machines just everywhere. And, yeah, there's airplane parts and yeah. bits and pieces. It's like it's just a it's, it's Aladdin's cave of, of stuff. I did visit there one weekend, but he just That's right. There, Remember you so. mentioned that's right, yeah. 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 <laughs> He's probably out yeah. like flying his plane or something rather. He does that a bit sometimes. And yeah, and that's some some interesting characters. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I really like about the industry over there. Some I mean here as well, you know, there's some characters. Um yeah. but you were also saying I mean I and I've just I'm just trying to think back and we're talking about the the Rolex thing again, getting back. We're going around in circles here, but anyway. Um that's all right. you were saying that um yeah, the training is quite different. You go and, and they're sort of having, um, they don't need proper watchmakers. It's sort of just um, service people. Uh, and is that pretty much run, run of the mill for Australian uh, entities or brands here? Um, I imagine. I think it's that, like uh, that worldwide. Yeah. Well, actually, that's worldwide. me. You mentioned it. Yeah. It, even oh, AP. Yeah. I mentioned yeah. to Alex once that they get more and more operator training. training. Yeah. They still do do the watchmakers thing, but in parallel now, which they never did do. They do the operators, which is you know, the, the lesser skilled people, basically. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know. There's companies that are taking people that aren't don't have watchmaking backgrounds, and they're yeah, training okay. them for for one operation yeah. in, in production or something like that, or, or, yeah, or after yeah. sales even. All right, you, so you put you put to, put in a few wheels in the in the gear train, you put the bridge on, and that's it. And then someone else has been trained on another area. So there there is so many different levels of watchmaking training and. And competent, but see the people. The people that do that, they're never going to be. They're never going to be able to build a passion for the industry. I don't think. Like I've met a few people that worked at the Eta factory and stuff, and mm. they're just doing the same shit over and over yeah. and over and over again. Yeah. And how can you build anything on that when 
the best you can hope for is to move into another position where you do something similar over and over and over and over again. It's just, mm. I think it takes away the, yeah, any hope for the people actually fully embracing and, and getting into no, it properly. Sure. Mm. But, yeah. but, you know, some people, it depends on how you're built and how you think. Some people thrive on jobs that are very monotonous and they challenge themselves in different ways within that job and they, they have no they have no desire to go on and create anything or do something different and have to change their job every every year or two. Some people mm. are just, it's their job and they, they do it well and they will, they go. I, I remember going through, I don't remember which factory it was, um, and there was a girl just working on hairsprings every mm. day, spinning the balance and manipulating <laughs> the hairspring just so it was flat and centred. And she, she got it down to a, like, I looked at that and I thought, there's no way I could get to that level she was so good at adjusting a hairspring on a balance and no movement she didn't touch anything in the movement she just had a balance with a hairspring spinning it looking at it and we were watching her just go through that just thinking she was doing like one, one touch one balance and hairspring in a minute or something and yeah. just kept going and it was like so good at it and she probably within that job she probably challenges herself every day i'm not sure or maybe Maybe she was gone within six months because she got sick of it. <laughs> okay, how, how much would you know. have to be paid, Michael, to do, to do that job over and over again? One million dollars. One million, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we have this discussion at work. Anytime we're doing something when it's like, okay, I've changed 12 batteries in a CK today. And we have this kind of like, what's the most fucked up situation you can kind of pick? And it's like, okay, you can either go and work on only three, two, one. Uh, caliber speedmasters for ten thousand dollars a year or you just do ck battery changes and you get paid quarter of a million dollars a year and we all kind of challenge each other as like how like how bad does it have to be um (laughs) but that's probably not the healthiest game to play when you're at work and actually doing those tasks though it depends on the type of person you are though i mean there's a lot of watchmakers that just thrive on doing something different all the time and there's others that are just happy just just yeah go in do the job and go out. So I'd like to we yeah we only sort of see it from and you've seen it from the Rolex point of view and and yeah. other, other workshops, but and I've only as always seen it from AP Richard Mill to a degree. Um, you know, I, I I don't even know how the Swatch Group or Amiga in in Bien would do it or to do their training. I don't know they have different training programs and they're a big enough company to you know to want to give something back and to put on apprentices basically, but. I don't know how how the training's set up. You know, whether they do any real heritage stuff, the proper you know finishing and hand um, beveling, the onglage, onglage, uh, and all that stuff. <laughs> whether they do that or not, uh, you know, I know some Patek does for sure, and and you know, DC would, but um, I don't know with the big brands that are more well industrial, really. You know, the bigger brands. Um, will they do that? Then I messaged you guys the other day. I definitely messaged one of you to talk about some training that definitely wasn't at the company that I, that I work for, but it was people that had been at the company for two or three years and were finally getting the introduction to the company training you that you should get. Mention that. Yeah. that you should get within the first week, and it's like an introduction to quartz and mechanical training. <laughs> To, to be able to do like your first week of, of the job and now they're getting it two or three years into the I mean that's they're, just, they're probably yeah. just desperate to get work done you know it's like yeah exactly this, this, this priorities is, watch, fix, watch this fix 
Yeah. It's all about, these days it's all about budget as well. And I think the, 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 the saddest thing for me, I think globally and generally speaking for watch brands, and I saw this probably, I don't know, when I started at AP, it was already starting coming quite heavily in some big, big brands and AP was starting to do it in that before 20, 30, 40 years ago, you know, a repair center, a service center was not a profit center. You know, that, that, that it was like, it was almost like it was subsidized to, 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 to provide a brilliant service. And I know we talked about this once, Alex, and I think I think actually Omega do a pretty good job. But there are brands who who now everything's everything's down to the accountants. Everything's down because you know they're public listed companies. They're the companies that want to make profits, and every single department in the company, including the service workshops, need to make a profit, which is a different mindset to what they used to be like when it was a service provided, um, and it wasn't as much a profit thing. Now it's just um, gone nuts and, and it's gone the other way where you know, every single screw, every single service, no, I'm, not talking about, I'm not talking about Swatch Group necessarily, uh, but you know, there's hundreds of companies out there and they all do it differently. But and, you know, some of them are quite, are quite like that where it's, you know, of course the customer's going to get fed up if he's paying a fortune for the service. It takes forever um, and it's not necessarily, well, yeah, it, it just gets, the cost is, is, has gone nuts. It's not the way it should be. It's not the way no, it should be. It shouldn't be that. It, 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 service, after sales service should always be just supporting the brand, supporting supporting sales, and and maybe maybe um, not lose money, but just 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 break it, just break even, just break even. That's the thing. Yep. And 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 I'm and I'm and, I, and I'm fairly certain that that's that was our that was our goal at Rolex was we we didn't we weren't there to make make money. We we had to. We had to cover costs if we if we were building a new workshop, buying new equipment. You know, obviously you'd be you'd be spending a lot of money then, and you had to cover costs and everything. But it was always the idea that we're 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 supporting the company so that it looks good and the it helps with sales. Yeah, it's, but Rolex is like a foundation. You know, they don't have to keep any shareholders happy either. Really, like stakeholders, but not not. You know, yeah, that's true. It's a different, so, it's a different you know, company it's, like that. Yeah, yeah, it's a different yeah. structure. I mean, it's quite, yeah. and that's what everyone forgets about. Even in Switzerland, you know, or well, in Switzerland, they're a bit more savvy there onto it. But any, anywhere else in the world, you know, Rolex, Amiga, they're all competitors, the same thing, same company. They, I mean, same sort of structure. No, they're nothing like each other. Um, it's Rolex is just such a different beast um, that people. They're, they're of, almost independent, aren't they? Even though they're so large, it's like totally independent foundation it's not even a you know it's a non-profit foundation it's nuts so all their all their profit goes back into the company or to charities or to guys like you or research and design so that's why they can spend 10 20 years working on a new movement you know it's kind of so michael why so you're servicing all these watches now as an independent watchmaker why should people send their watch to you if they've got a rolex a service why would somebody send a watch to you rather than to Rolex, what what's the added value people get sending their watch to an independent rather than to the to the manufacturer? That's a great question. Yeah, I know. It's a really good question. And as you were saying, I was like, Jesus, I'm just going to say, I, I don't know. I can't, I can't explain it. No, no. I, I I think I think what what you get is um, it's a little bit more tailored with me. So so when you go to Rolex, you you expect to get the same sort of service worldwide. They do everything really well. You, you put the watch in, it comes back as new as they can get it. Basically, they replace parts. They, they, yeah, it, get, it comes back and and it's doing the job. It'll do the job um, that it was designed to do originally. 
and that's what they want to do. They want so if you're taking a, a vintage Submariner, they will or a sea dweller, they will go through it and and try and bring it back to a point where it was originally designed to to actually go underwater. And even the uh, the vintage sea dollars testing the valves, the helium escape valve, they they do all of that. Even though these watches probably aren't going to go into water because they're 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 rare vintage watches, they they bring it back to that. So I I offer a different kind of service where if a customer doesn't want the watch polished or they they don't want these hands replaced because the luminous is maybe a little bit unstable or or whatever, you know I I, I can I can get around that and maybe strengthen the luminous on the hands or yeah I, I i tailor the service a little bit more for customers but i if with with modern watches i recommend taking them to, to rolex because they've got all the right tooling for them and they they were yeah anything that's anything that's vintage and it's and it's becoming a little more tricky and they don't want certain parts replaced then that's sort of where i i come in but anything yeah anything modern then there's no reason to, to the brand specific stuff these days and the movements are so special and you know yeah yeah it, just with the casing even the casings now are so different with the tools and everything so rolex have got everything everything there yeah i mean um, do you yeah. do i mean this is you don't have to answer this but i mean i don't know is there many people in australia that would they would do test a watch to 500 meters or 300 meters um yeah. with a proper you got proper vacuum I mean, for that yeah, yeah, yeah. There'd be a lot of workshops, independent people around that have got equipment that test watches to that. But the watches I work on generally, um, we're not talking about them from going in water generally. So no, yeah. no. I mean, we used to test to a thousand. I mean, sorry, a hundred meters or even two hundred. But anything. It seems like anything over that. Anything that's serious dive watches. Um, yeah. You struggle to find someone who's got the got got the vacuum pumps for it. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's sort of well. Well, someone like Michael Presser will have. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, someone like that. He'll have he'll have the right equipment to test watches yeah. to a certain depth. And, yeah. Okay. Um, so there's independent watchmakers around that have that equipment, but yeah. Then it comes, you know, if you've got a deep Probably sea, that's less a, though. Yeah. Deep I mean, sea, you know, you got to test it to like four thousand. Yeah, that's 4, a thing, exactly. That's pretty that's much only. Yeah. What about how difficult is it with? Because what I hear a lot or see a lot is kind of independent workshops complaining about the big brands kind of pushing them out in terms of giving them access to to parts and stuff like that it's, it's increasingly difficult for the independents they have to jump through more hoops and stuff like that to be able to get access so is is it easy for you to get stuff or is it just because you're a kind of ex rolex person and, and still obviously dedicated to to the brand in general that you have access to the parts needed or do you even find that you struggle i don't i don't get access to their parts i i'm just i'm just resourceful i've got, I've got <laughs> well, i guess I, that's uh, proper watchmaking then isn't it that is, than, it is and, yeah. and some yeah. some people some people can't work like that some people if they're given if they're given the job like mine and working for themselves they they won't be able to figure out how to fix a part or how to find that part somewhere and that's what i've heard as and, well yeah yeah, and, and I was when I was at Rolex, I was one of the people, unfortunately, and I'll probably get a lot of hate for this, I was one of the people that was all for parts. shutting down certain workshops. Mm. Um, because of the because yeah, I know, because of the work it, we, we felt it wasn't up to a certain standard, so um, people would come Rolex uh, people would come from Geneva and we would yeah. um, talk about certain workshops that used to get parts and we would we would discuss 
the, the workshops and the regular work. And, and so I was all for saying, no, I don't think Rolex should share, share parts. And there's, and I, and, and I can explain why as well, because with so many customers I come across, and I've come across many customers that own Rolex or Patek or Audemars and they have a bad taste in their mouth with those, those brands because they've taken those watches sometimes to watchmakers that aren't qualified. They're not official service and the watch may not run for a couple of years and they, and they still, they still will say the brand is, the brand is crap. This watch never runs well, you know, and, and, and that's why Rolex don't want anyone else that isn't officially trained or, or can replace the parts properly to work on these watches because it'll make the brand look bad. You'll have a you'll have a customer out there with a watch that's not running correctly. It might be gaining too much or losing or stopping, and they're just like this 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 watch is crap. I took it to a watchmaker and 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 you know it's still running bad. You know, but there must be guys in between there somewhere. I guess it's discretionary, really. I mean, some but some there's some little watchmakers or some little workshops and the watchmakers are very competent watchmakers, and it's not like just me. Rolex, but they still can't get the parts from different like you. Yeah, yeah, you bring it you bring well, it to me, it'll be no problem. But I'm yeah. just talking about. I'm not, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about other people. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then people that might not be able to get parts for Amiga or parts yeah. for a, you know they might have they might do all the rest of the watches in this collection for this guy and he's very competent and everything. But they can't get a Zenith part or a Patek part or whatever because uh, they can't get or they can't get a seal. You know, they can't even do a proper service so they can't get a back seal or whatever. Um, yeah. See, I don't. I, I think. I mean, modern, modern, modern stuff. Yes, fair enough. Modern stuff. It's a bit difficult, but. If you're resourceful enough and you know certain people, you can you can get certain things. And and I know our family business even uh, Woods Jewelers, it's it's been open since fifty six, nineteen fifty six. So they've 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 got a stock of parts going back years and years. Because and that's what you have to be willing to have a stock. Vintage Omega and Rolex stock. and yeah, exactly. And they've dad, my dad has always just built up that stock of parts. And I used to think he was wasting time, you know, putting putting catalogue cataloging all these parts and putting them away and, and and the amount of times I go into those drawers for a vintage Omega part or something is is incredible. It's 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 yeah. And you still get to work on some nice pieces? Yeah, I do. I get to work on great stuff. It's um we're talking on the other well, who are we talking with Charles some about vintage Longines and some little other little brands and Movado and all this different stuff. Um mm. Longines in particular. I mean I know Malik's a bit of a family fan as well, but Longines is great. They're um the old ones are, are amazing, basically. Yeah, I mean, the they're fantastic. They're fantastic. Some of the old chronographs and and yeah, great quality, great quality. Longine is beautiful. Longine, it's probably Longine. good. Uh, it's probably good. It's a good one. People to invest in, but people yeah, people like us who can't afford proper proper. I mean, you know, high end proper. Um, <laughs> you know, for an accessible, you know, um, to get a nice movement, basically, it's like the old same level as old Omegas and everything else. But um, you're a bit of a collection. I, you were talking about a Bremont at one point. Um, yeah. Do you know the the Bremont, the English guys, the English brothers? Yeah, yeah, Nick and Giles. I haven't met them yet, but I'll be I'll be going over there for training at some stage. Oh, do you have their brand in the in the shop? No. You, or do, or no, how do you no, get I've, it? I've 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 been I've been connected with them. I've been assigned as um, I'll be doing official service for them. But because of the coronavirus, virus, everything's been put on hold. So I was supposed to be going for training. Um, at some stage this year and we don't know when it'll be but main, the, yeah mainly training on the casing and stuff yeah it'll be good yes. it'll be good special sort of casing isn't it yeah yeah and you know you know Stephen Stephen McDonald 
Yeah. No, I don't know, he's, but yeah. No, well, yeah, he developed the perpetual calendar for MBNF. He's yeah, yeah. he's now working with them, developing. Oh a, yes. A, a oh, he's doing his own movement, yeah, or he's, he's doing a movement house. for them. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and and that's that's this brand is going to be. It's going to be something. I mean, it's already something impressive, and I think it, it's just, people don't in the know. Last, yeah. Yeah. The since the, they've been around, basically. The way the cases are made, and and the the the, the money that the the money they're putting into this this company it's it's i i see it almost as i can compare it to rolex back in the like the 40s or 50s when they started putting putting watches on explorers and and certain people and they started developing watches that could do do more do go go into different places and that's what i, I compare them to a to, to rolex back in the day in the early days and this is that's why i think this company is going to be something um, they're going to continue to grow. I can imagine they're a bit less. You can still have a good time with them, but I don't know. I know, I know Giles. Not not Nick at all. I don't. I think I've spoken to Nick once, but Giles and I've met him a few times. Talked to me a few times, and had he's he's a good guy. I know. I know the guy here. What's his name? Um, Nick. Um, Hooper. But um, yeah, they're, and they're just great guys. Again, that that's the big difference with them and Rolex. I think they're they're just fun guys, and Giles especially. I think he's a really he's a really cool guy. And they're just the whole brand, how they've developed the whole thing, and all the stuff they do for all the middle, you know, all the all the, all the squadrons and stuff. And yeah, they've done they've done really really good stuff. They seem to be having fun. I think that's the most important thing. They're obviously enjoying what they're doing. I was actually listening to a podcast the other day, and it was a, a podcast specifically about military watches. I think it was like Zulu ZT podcast, Zulu Time podcast, something like that. And um, they had a guy on who was ex SAS and a guy who was an ex paratrooper and these were all people in, in England and every single person on the show had a Bremont Seriously, and they were yeah. just banging yeah they were just banging on about Bremont all the time and how they would go diving in them and and stuff like that and yeah they just they were so invested and in, in the brand and I think that's it goes to show if you spend the time and they've they've really cultivated that marketplace, that military marketplace. I remember when I went to the Bremont boutique opening in Melbourne and they had a guy there who'd ejected and he was talking to people and saying how he was like four inches shorter after ejecting and how, <laughs> how traumatizing it was. And it was just like, it, it was a brand fully invested in the people who they were selling the watches to. And I think if you do that, you can't help but be successful for sure. Exactly. These watches are on a lot of military people. They supply. They supply to military in the UK, Australia. Um, that it, yeah, and the materials they use. I've got my MB2, the, the hardened steel. I can't scratch that. If I if I got a, if I got a screwdriver or a or tweezers and went across that steel, it doesn't scratch. It's 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 yeah, it's heavy steel, but it's 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 yeah, it's incredible. But listen, we'll go out drinking one night and we'll see how the watch is afterwards. <laughs> try, try exactly. Yeah. But when I when I got that MB two because I ordered the MB two through them when we when we uh, were in chat talking and I said to him, uh, could you put like my um, my business logo on the dial? You know, so I'm, I'm I'm sort of like a, a partner. I'm connected now. And they just said, um, no, unfortunately, that's that's only for military. You know, we can only put stuff on the dial for military. military you just got to. Call your make it your build your business some sort of military entity where you can um, Actually, yes. work something out. I was told I was told <laughs> no. I said I was told no. If you're part of a squadron, you can be. And I said all right. So I've got to start up a squadron. Yeah. Okay. Start your own squadron. Okay. 
I was an air cadet at one point, so maybe I need to throw that fine. into that. Yeah, yeah, that was it for about two and a half weeks. I was an air cadet, so yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, uh... Yeah, you qualify, you qualify. You get your name on the dial for sure. Um, we used to sell them at the first first shop. When I came back to Perth, I, the guy I worked for, we sold them in the shop. I sold a few of them, and they just yeah, they were always a great watch. And it was just an interesting story. You know, the marketing was right. It wasn't just a PR rubbish. Um, I always had a soft spot. I like, I like that. The 247, the titanium GMT, the Boeing one, the gray one with the Boeing hand, because I used to work on Boeing. I mean, I used to work, yeah, for Qantas years back. Um, and I just had it. I just, that's still one I want. It's on my, it's on my, it's on my list, you know. Um, if I, one comes up, I don't want to pay full bozza for it, but <laughs> if one, one comes up one day, I'll, um, so keep an eye out, will you? Let me know. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. you've, got an N, you've got an N with the brand. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, I, I just like that they make their own stuff. They're not, they're not getting. I mean, the movements are their movements at the moment. Are, they use, you know, ETA, ETA based and and they're reliable. But the casing, they make the casing and everything, which is, yeah, the the investment they've made in the machines to make the casing and everything is incredible. It's. Um, I just find them a bit big for my little pigeon wrists. Most the only one that pigeons. that really. Yeah, I know, I know. Apart from your thirty-four mil shooter, if you're on, but I, I just, I find that, like, I love the design, really, really love the design. But I just find most of them are a bit big. Apart from the Supermarine, which I, I was, I thought was great, and it still has that. Yeah, the, it's all about the case, really. But if if they can keep on doing the stuff that they're doing with the case, and then, like you say, have an in-house movement, then that. That will be a total game changer for them. They, no one will be able to to because that's been the only kind of criticism so far is the kind of no in house no movement in-house. part of it. Yeah, but, but you know, can, like, I mean, I'm not a big fan of in house anyway. But anyway, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. No, it'd be a good plus, I think, for them. Okay, that's the Poms. What about the Paddies? Yes. Uh, the Irish. You've been over there. You, 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 the McGonagall's. You know them. You've been there, or I met Stephen years ago, or when I was at Wastep. We're out. We're out at a bar one night having a drink, and, and he was he was with Stephen, Steve McDonald. Now we're at a we're at a nightclub. I can't remember. I think it was called Highlander or something. Oh no, Highlander. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh man, we had a some, good Scottish had, nightclub. Yeah, we had some. We had some big nights in Highlander. Oh my goodness, yeah, you were. Yeah, we had some big nights in Highlander. But um, no, I haven't. I, w- I wanted to meet John last year when I was in Ireland, and I was emailing him, and then he was he was overseas, and couldn't, we couldn't. And then I went to Switzerland, and we just we couldn't meet up. But next time I go back to Ireland, I want to I want to visit him in Athlone. Yeah, for sure. Um, and they even got there. I mean. They even got his. They got their, their, their sister doing the engraving and stuff. I mean, Charles Turl was talking about me and the other brother over in the states. They're all over the shop, but um, yeah, the the two, the John and Steve. I think they're going to start. They've got to sort of do their own thing. Each one now. They've got to. I'm not sure if they're sort of splitting a bit or something. I'm not sure that could be a. I'm not sure if that's public yet. But I mean, that's they were. I think they were going to do yeah, that. Is now. Is now. Yeah. No. Well, they were talking about it. Press release. Yeah. Just come out. It's a scoop. Well, <laughs> Stephen spends most of his time in Switzerland, doesn't he? Yes, exactly. exactly. He's John, based in Switzerland. John, John's in Ireland, so it's sort he's of, in Ireland, exactly. I mean, they've always got, you know, got on fire. They've done their projects and done their stuff, but um, I, I think, you know, I guess both of them have done in the past you know, a lot of contract work for other guys. Um, but I'm not sure whether whether it's a whole new new, new era for them. But they're both, you know, regardless, they're they're both just great guys and funny guys. They're just so, so hilarious. But um, yeah, it's next level. Oh, we had a good chat there. I don't know. We did, didn't really. We went around in circles a little bit, but not too much. I don't know. That was um, fun. 
Is that I good? Kind of the right amount of going around in circles for the, yeah. for our podcast. Yep, that's fun. Okay, so um, oh, I should, I should let you finish off, Alex. Do you want to? Are we going to do a little uh, someone to follow? What are you yeah, of course. Is that the next next? Jedly, we're all going to pick Jedly one. Yeah, Jedly, that's what right. I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah. So I've got some guy. Yeah, J E D L. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to take a note here. Oh, I've got him already. Got him. Yeah. Ah, damn yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Who wants to go first? Uh, you go first. Me? Okay. So it's I'm kind of we're shooting ourselves in the foot here a bit yeah, like okay. Basil Basil World. I'm going to recommend another podcast. What? Which I started to listen. I know. And wait, it, it gets worse. It's oh, a it's listen. a booze and watches podcast. It's, it's called the serious? Whiskey and What... I know. Really? And, but they, I checked. They started after us, so maybe they've stolen our, mm. our drink check thing. Hang on, are we... Whiskey... Yeah. Don't don't are you gonna leave already, Michael? You're, Michael's no. gonna go and do a double header and he's gonna go and do a podcast with him afterwards so you can continue <laughs> drinking on into the night. Sorry, I just need to clarify, are we recommending podcasts? No uh, no, 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 no. Um, this this is a it's an Instagram account, but it's connected to a podcast. Uh, okay. Gotcha. Don't worry, I'm not I'm not moving the goalposts gotcha. just kind of last minute. That'd be so okay. I can, the, I can wing it. This is uh <laughs> this is uh, a podcast it's called whiskey and watches and their their instagram is whiskey dot and dot watches dot podcast and i, I was speaking to a guy called what you follow them already yeah so the guy's called spence so it's spence and evan i think i was speaking to the guy called spence and we were kind of i was discussing with him the um the the difficulties that you can have when starting up a, a podcast and the, the technical issues that I'm all too familiar with from doing podcasts with you, Rob. We are all too familiar with, yes. Yes, we, we, yeah. So, but yeah, just nice, nice guys. I've listened to a couple of their, their podcasts. Like I listen, I like listening to watch stuff when I'm at, at the bench and um, their, their stuff's, their stuff's pretty good. And they had a couple of, a couple of digs at Hadinki as well on their podcast as well. So um, yeah, I'm all over that. So yeah, Whiskey and Watches podcast. That's my, my one. Yeah, found it. Spence and Evan. Yep. Yeah. Got that. I've got um do you follow I've got a, a lady called Dr. Yellow. Um never heard of her. Never but, heard of her. She's a doctor. Okay. No. Dr. Co in New York, I think she's based. She's American. She's a, an anesthetist or something, but she's a really she's a bit like the old watch lady, you know, that 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 that, yeah, that yeah, lady yeah. now. Some really impressive pieces. Um a really cool car. She's just one of those ladies that seems like she's really into it and she's a serious collector. Some a few vintage pieces and some some she she knows um yeah the big brands basically she's got a bit of everything really cool photos though nice photos um yeah so that's Doctor Yellow so name we've been following I think I I cheated I found her in some article from one of our competing podcasts or a magazine or an article somewhere but um yeah it's uh mm, really, really yeah cool she's got some <laughs> FP yeah 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 that's what I was gonna mention she has FP George I think Vacheron yeah. So for some reason, there's lots of there's lots of Doctor Yellows on Instagram. So you have to the one it's Doctor Iris Co is her name, um, and it's probably there somewhere. You yeah, if you go through the it's just Doctor Yellow, all one word. I think that's that's that's. The yep, one. yep, perfect. Yeah, okay, that's a bit of a different one. Okay, Jedley, what have you got? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna um, I'm gonna mention my family business. That's what I'm gonna. Oh, absolutely, oh, Jesus, this is not no no no. no this yeah, is yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. This is as bad yeah, as yeah. Rob when he's promoting these straps all the time. We talked about Christ. mine. 
three times tonight. So yeah, no, you're loving it. I can hear you <laughs> salivating. This is this is the this is the shop that I started. This is this is the Woods Jewelers. So Woods underscore Jewelers. So everyone go and follow them, and um, yeah, you get got, three more listeners, three more followers now. We've got we've got yeah exactly we've got three watchmakers, including myself, my father and my um, brother, and then my uncle's a clockmaker. So we've basically Colac is described as like the center of watchmaking in Australia. So <laughs> it's so it's a bit, a bit like a bit like Nuschatel. It's like Nuschatel. It's, like, it's like the yeah. it's like the Nuschatel yeah, yeah. of Australia. Yeah, it's so uh, the the amount of watchmakers per capita in Colac. It's yeah, and then my cousin came from here as well. Yep. So um yeah, go follow Woods underscore Jewelers, and you can third generation jewelers and watchmakers. It says here, so you're the third generation. I'm the third generation. Yep. Okay. There's not too many that can claim that. No, and um yeah, if you want custom custom jewelry. Yeah, they they deal in vintage watches, With straps, sometimes. leather straps. Okay, yeah. When it says here, do not contact us about Panerai reference numbers. We don't know. Okay, good. That's definitely your it's definitely your family business. Then that's good. Oh, I've got to talk about uh, Fifth Wrist. Uh, follow Fifth yeah. Wrist. Go and do some reviews on Fifth on the Fifth Wrist uh, website. I keep forgetting, Alex. You keep you, at the end of each one. You say, "Oh, you got what are you going to do?" You need to stop. Know. You need to stop tagging as as uh, as Fifth Wrist Radio on your Instagram post because it just goes to a page that doesn't exist. Okay, first of all, no, 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 no. It's just a tag, Alex. Oh, I, I you can do a hashtag Fifth Wrist Radio. You cannot do at Fifth Wrist Radio because the page doesn't exist. I didn't do it. Ash. But yes, Man. you did. Yeah, so come and leave a review. Actually, while Michael's here, so as part of our review of the year award, I'm I'm making or making modifying a legend diver. Oh yes, which right. is going to be short. And Michael was supposed to come back to me and tell me if he had any sand left for his uh, yes. sandblasting machine. And he, he he was too busy telling me how high he was in the morning. <laughs> He's too high to remember to tell me if he had any sand left for his sandblasting machine. I'm sorry. I'm setting a reminder now. Okay. I'm setting, I'm setting a reminder now. So tomorrow I'm gonna I'm gonna go down there or, or speak to my dad or my brother and say, look, have you got any sand there? Because it's a pain, pain in the ass wanting to sandblast a coast. You knew you got your near for something. And, <laughs> ask you and about if, that. if not, if not, I've got a friend that's got a sandblasting um, machine. We can, we can get, it, get it sorted. So yep. yeah, come and, and come and review your watch on fifthrest.com and maybe you can, if you write a, a half decent one, or it probably have to be a, a better than a half decent one, you can be in the running for the writer of the year. Uh, award which is a legend diver which may or may not be sandblasted by the time you win it <laughs> come and follow us on on instagram and and facebook definitely go and check out the, the video rob and i did which was, oh, yeah. was quite a, it was quite a long one even by your standards on this was on um geneva blue uh youtube channel geneva how long blue. was Just it search for it was like an hour blue. was I it forget. I, no it wasn't quite it was pretty long anyway was as long as this like podcast it. by golly yeah um, um, go and go and follow Rob Geneva underscore Blue underscore on Instagram. That's a bit spooky. Don't follow. Yeah, um, don't follow him. For, although you probably would like that. Um, go and check out his website. Go and buy one of the great straps that fits Panerai's <laughs> with miscellaneous reference numbers. Yeah, you've had enough plugs. <laughs> My, Michael, okay. Michael's. Now you can even come to me to buy the straps. Exactly. If you want oh, do you someone, sell them if as well. If you want someone in, you want someone in, 
if you want Colac. someone in uh, Victoria and mm-hmm. yeah, Colac or, or, or <laughs> yeah. Melbourne, I can I can to you. So, yeah. but no nineteen mil, right? Not yet. Oh, they're coming. They're coming. First Omega Space owners need not need not apply. Are you finished? And yeah, go and follow. No, no, go no. Come shut on. up. Go and follow Michael Woods Watchmaking oh, on Instagram. No, 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 no. It's, it's just Woods Watchmaking. No, Michael. That's what involved. I said. Oh, you said yeah, no, I said go and follow Michael you at Woods Watchmaking. Oh, okay. I did too. Can you pay, okay. pay attention? But he doesn't want any modern watches. Yeah, he says always go and take the modern watches back to the manufacturer. <laughs> he only wants old stuff that's fallen to bits, right? Oh, I'll fix anything. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for joining us, Michael. It's brilliant. It's been great. It's been fun. Thanks to all our listeners. All the people in Kenya. Stay safe, stay indoors, and stay on time. Fifth Wrist is by the community for the community. We would love you to join the crew via our group chat on Slack. Email us at contact at fifthwrist.com and join the movement.